Welcome to the Wounded Healers podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Amy. And I'm Janessa. We are two women who were diagnosed with autoimmune diseases in our early 20s. We were lucky enough to find each other and find community and it's something that we want to bring to anyone else who may be in a similar place. Hi Janessa, happy belated Thanksgiving. How are you? Good, thank you so much. I am actually in Seattle, Washington. Uh, My husband's family lives here, so I am reporting from Washington today. How are you? Very cool. I am all good. I actually just moved house yesterday, so I am busy getting settled in a new place, which is nice. It feels like a really positive, fresh start for me. So really happy to be here and of course be talking to you. Uh, That's awesome. It looks beautiful in the background. Before we started recording, Amy showed me a little glimpse of her room and it is fashionable and chic as always. Beautiful (laughs) colors. I would expect nothing less. So sweet. So I am very excited to be here with you for a second episode. So we got some feedback with our first episode, and we are so grateful that some of you reached out to us. Thank you so much. Um, But we did recognize from that feedback that we did not give you a definition for what rheumatoid arthritis is. So we wanted to make sure to provide that for you today. Yeah, so we have found... A very terrifying technical definition on Google, which I'll read to you now. Um, So rheumatoid arthritis is a chronic progressive disease causing inflammation in the joints, resulting in painful deformity and immobility, especially in the fingers, wrists, feet and ankles. Um, So that's terrifying. And then just to kind of additionally add what is literally happening is RA is an autoimmune disease so your immune system is attacking healthy joints um, because it kind of incorrectly assumes that they are they shouldn't be in your body so as if they are an infection and it just weirdly happens that with RA that happens to be the fluid in your joints so what a trip how is this even a thing why does it happen we we don't know that but um yeah, that's kind of the easy. I remember when I was first diagnosed and I was kind of reading on the internet, it took me a while to get my head around like what was even happening in my body. So I think that's just the simplest way to explain it. Um, but yeah, looping back to this definition, I think those are some really terrifying words in terms of deformity and immobility. And just because that kind of is coming up and that may have been the experience of people who have RA in the past I want to say that that hasn't been my experience so far I definitely experienced a lot of pain as you guys heard in episode one um but I'm yet to experience deformity and severe immobility so I wanted to throw that out there in case any of you are newly diagnosed and you found this pod you found us or this podcast and I don't want you to freak out because those are the kinds of words that made me freak out five years ago. So yeah. Do you, Janessa, want to add in terms of your interpretation of RA? Yeah. So I would add that amongst everything that Amy just said, that there's also an emotional component to this. Um, Having an autoimmune disease like 
healing is not linear, meaning you could be doing, you know, we see portrayed a lot in movies that you're going to have a rough start and you're just going to keep working your way up and then you're going to do great. You're going to be great. But truthfully, life doesn't always work like a movie and um, healing is not linear. So you could be doing fantastic for one point um, in your healing journey and then you could slide back into a time that's really difficult for you. So just giving yourself space and patience to be able to move fluidly through that is important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. Like healing isn't linear. Our experience of life isn't linear. Um, and it's all about kind of the little choices that you're making every day to support yourself in the best way you can in that moment, which kind of leads us on nicely to today's podcast topic, which is mindset. Yes, I am so excited to talk about mindset with you guys. I think that it's important to note that mindset and mental health are two different things while they are similar. Um, So yeah, we are just looking forward to providing you with these little kind of places where our mindset was when we were diagnosed um, and throughout our journey and where it is now. In college, I studied psychology. And one thing we learned about was the five stages of grief. And so they don't have to be in this order at all, but um, the way they are typically ordered is denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And for me, there's quite a few of these that I experienced um, in the beginning and throughout my journey that have shaped my mindset. And the first one was denial. I Personally, I found myself in a bit of denial my first year of my diagnosis. I knew in my innermost self that it was lifelong. I had been told that, but there was something in me that was like waiting for some fairy godmother or something to pop out and let me be my old self. So I was in this denial stage like, oh, no, no, something's going to happen. I'll be fine. I'll go back to the way things were. Was that the same at all for you, Amy? When I look at the denial stage of the grief cycle, the kind of factor of that that really sticks out for me in the start of my journey with RA was avoidance. I think I was really numb at this point and I wasn't really processing what was happening to me. And I was in some ways carrying on regardless and making unhealthy choices and things like that. And I think that all definitely fed into the way I was ultimately avoiding my diagnosis and what was happening to me and it took me a a good couple of years to kind of face into that definitely yeah that I think is going to be relatable for a lot of people um yeah there is something about I feel like your first year of your diagnosis where things typically are a little bit difficult like I I know that trajectory is like shown in movies, like I said (laughs) earlier, but most people that I've met, it sounds like their first year really is a struggle because you are looking to reintegrate into your life wherever you were at that time, but now you're going into it with a whole different mindset. Like there's such a shift. Like in the first episode, I talked about going back to college and the shift was wild it was going back and trying to go back to what once was, but with so much more knowledge now about my body 
and more than I wanted, to be honest. (laughs) So yeah, that definitely affected me as well. Yeah, it's a lot to get your head around the level and the intensity of the change that you experience with this happening to you and then trying to kind of negotiate yourself back into your old life and the lives of the people that you spent a lot of time with who hadn't experienced what you experienced like I particularly remember how people would get upset about things that are very normal to get upset about and me a few months ago would have also got upset about them like you know they had a date that was unsuccessful or I don't know they even like their outfit didn't come in time for a night out and they were like oh I'm so pissed off and I'd be like you're pissed off (laughs) I I didn't sleep last night because I'm in pain and my whole life has just changed and like yeah maybe that kind of leads into the anger stage of the grief cycle I don't know maybe I was kind of dealing with both at the same time but um yeah it's so much to to get to kind of wedge yourself back in after you're so intensely changed definitely yeah the anger part is so important I think that at least where I grew up there was a lot of uh people pleasing essentially in my family so having to grapple with anger was very difficult for me so I I actually internalized anger as sadness like I didn't really know how to express my anger but I took it as a sadness so I would be like wow you know thinking about what that friend group was doing going out partying just kind of letting go of their problems and I was over here just feeling kind of just sorry I was stuck in this sad loop for myself and I had a hard time getting out of that so yeah my my anger was internalized as sadness for sure yeah because this is something that they they don't treat immediately like when you're diagnosed with any sort of any any sort of illness really um but yeah especially one that like permanently changes your life so much they treat your illness they they treat your illness they try to treat your symptoms but no one gives you the tools to manage your emotion around it or help you cope in healthy ways unless you're blessed to know someone that can guide you in that or you can seek professional help straight away you're on your own with it and yeah especially when you're a young person how how are you supposed to know how to cope you're not you're not that's you're absolutely not supposed to know it will all come with time but yeah yeah and one thing that Amy said before we started recording and we were discussing this that I just want to emphasize is that you know she's at a place where she's completely forgiven her past self and that's so important because when you go along this journey sometimes it's easy to want to criticize your past self with the knowledge you may gain you're going to be like oh well I did this when I first got diagnosed but like Amy just said there's no way you could have known there's no preparation for that and people are not robots we are meant to Mm -hmm. make mistakes and learn from them but to really work on forgiving yourself if you're a year in six months in 10 years into your journey coming back to your old self and just saying you did the best you could with the tools you had at the time was really important the next stage of that five stages of grief after anger is bargaining and oh this 
I have forgiven myself for this, but I did bargain. And I personally, I am spiritual, but I am not particularly religious. And I appreciate those who are. I have a lot of them in my life. But for me, I went to a place of something that wasn't coming to me naturally, where I was like, all right, I'm going to throw a line out there. It's like going fishing. I was like, God, if you're real. (laughs) I was just like, please help a girl out. I am in so much pain. I feel like crap. I don't know what's going on. And it was just like a total moment of bargaining. Just like, I promise I will be a nicer person. Like, I will be a better version of myself. And I say that with a little bit of comedy behind that, but only because it's so cringe for me to look back and think about where I was at that time. So I do forgive her. But yeah, I definitely had some bargaining going on. No, I think um, I I might have experience something kind of similar though not in a kind of Christian God-centered way because we are far less Christian (laughs) God God and Christianity is is much less a center of people's lives in the UK than I have the impression it is in the States so that's not something that is particularly accessible to me or that I'd grown up with. Um, but I did, I did kind of work on, I will do anything in terms of learning and trying and like, and it's still in that sense of negotiation. Like I'll give up this, I'll do this. I'll, I'll go without, I'll, I'll be lacking if, if it means I can feel better and I'll, I will, I will enjoy my life less. And yeah, that kind of, I'll give up anything if it, if it means I can feel better. And I feel like now with the tools that I've got and the mindset I've built, I know I don't actually have to go without anything in order to feel better. Um, And I have completely turned around the way I feel about not eating (laughs) chocolate all the time Um, (laughs) but yeah um yeah I think that was definitely my bargaining process was I'll give up anything I'll give up all the things I love if it means I can be better but you don't Mm -hmm. need to give up all the things you love you just need to change what you love (laughs) yeah there's yeah there's a lot of ways to approach it and I agree with you I think that in the bargaining stage in the beginning of my health journey it was a lot of like I will do this and like giving up trying to give up pieces of what I really wanted in order to feel better Mm -hmm. but yeah you really don't have to give up those pieces of yourself but you're just going to find another way to make them fit into the puzzle okay so the next stage after bargaining is depression so number four is depression Mm -hmm. um So I want to say that in the future, we are going to go into mental health on the podcast. So like we said, mindset and mental health are very similar and they have a lot of things that intertwine, but they are different. Mm. So when it comes to depression, we're going to touch on this a bit, but we will go more in depth and with someone who's knowledgeable in this topic and qualified to talk more about it. But we want to just give you our personal experiences there. So yeah, with depression, I 
let you guys in on last episode that I went into a really major depression uh, my first year of my diagnosis. And um, I just remember as a part of that depression, it was, it felt like, I'm going to give you guys a metaphor. It felt like I was completely shattered, like a wrecking ball came in, completely shattered me. I was just made of glass. And it felt like I was trying to pick up all these shards that like were so fragmented of myself. And I was trying to put them back the way they were. And that was the most painful part is that metaphorically, it's like you're just cutting yourself and you're, you know, on these little shards of glass, just trying so hard to get things back to the way they once were to get that piece of glass looking pristine again. And that fed into a lot of my mindset was no longer was I comparing myself to other people like I did when I was younger, but I was comparing myself to my past self. And I never thought I would reach that point. Um, So yeah, I had a lot of issues with comparing myself to who Janessa was prior to RA coming in. Yeah, that's something I have been thinking about a little bit recently as well, because when you're that low and you feel like you've exhausted all options and you're almost resigned to the way you feel, you kind of have like a mini ego death. But like you're having it on tramadol rather than ayahuasca. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I think you, you know, everything that you're taught to believe about yourself or everything you have been taught about yourself and your self-belief up into that point, it just disappears overnight. Like the narrative I had of my life, like you are pretty you're smart you're you can do anything you're able you have the world at your feet like all that whole narrative that had fed into my ego up until I was diagnosed would it just disappeared like my ego had nothing to feed off of anymore because my mum was putting my knickers on for me because I couldn't I couldn't do it anymore um and yeah I feel like that yeah, I feel like that did kind of feed into a mini ego death. And then what do you, you don't care about other people anymore because it was your ego that was making you question that. It was your ego that was challenging you on, is she better than you? And when that's put to the side, it doesn't matter anymore. And that is actually a kind of, that is the foundation of building up the new wonderful person that's in front of me today because yeah. you 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 no longer were playing into that and all of your insecurities you you almost had freedom from that mm-hmm. totally and that's to add to that metaphor again it's when I stopped trying to put the pieces back together the way that they once were I gave myself permission to build something different And in a way, I like to think of that as like a mosaic of life. Like I stopped trying to recreate something that was never going to be the same and instead felt empowered to say, okay, here's where I'm I'm at right now. Here's where my mindset is. Here's where my body is. Here's the support system I have. And 
how am I going to move forward? And how do I want to move forward? Like, what do I want my health journey to look like right now? So that took a lot didn't happen easily Mm -hmm. for me. I mean, it took a long time of like, trying to make things go back to how I thought they would be or should be. Um, But that moment of permission to build a different life for yourself, it's extremely freeing. And I agree with you, it is a complete ego death. And um, yeah, and it's, it's scary. That's the other thing too. It's not, um, it wasn't like a very exciting thing at first for me. It was kind of terrifying to accept that my life wasn't going to go back to how it was and that I needed to take agency ownership over this part of my journey. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that can be scary. Yeah, because we didn't we didn't want anything to change. I was like, mm-hmm. I love my if I I'm still like I loved it. I was having a great time. Like I didn't even feel the need to change on reflection. I'm like, thank God I did change, but yeah, it wasn't something I was craving or wanting. So, um yeah, of course it's terrifying and it feels unfair and unjust and you're yeah, but again, that just leads into just leaving your ego at the door and being like what is this teaching me what is the purpose of this because I do believe that everything that happens is for a purpose and hopefully over time you can you can see that purpose for yourself and and start to benefit from it yeah and I I also want to add into that that sometimes in the past for me I would and I don't know what stage this fits into necessarily, but my mindset at one point was, what did I do to make this happen to me? And I think it's important to say that out loud because I think a lot of people think that, like, what did I do wrong? Or like, where did I go wrong to bring this upon myself? And the truth is you you didn't do anything wrong. You really didn't. Like you just lived your life and we're just people trying to live life and it just doesn't make sense to put that type of blame on ourselves. So if you're thinking that, and if you're at the beginning of your journey, if you're able to work with someone like, you know, a therapist or with a friend who's very supportive and can hold space for you or a family member, start, start there because you don't need to carry that into your healing journey. The, what did I do? Because you may never know. And personally, you may never have done anything. And we just have to kind of pick up the pieces from where we're at now. Yeah, no, that is, um, that's brilliant advice. For the, there's someone in your life that can provide you comfort, because that's, that is so, it's one of just like the most wholesome joys in life is reaching out to people that care about you and saying like, I need you to give me a little bit of extra care and receiving it like it's free it's nice get it because it's lovely so yeah Yeah. please do reach out to people don't don't isolate yourself and don't try and deal with this on your own Mm -hmm. yeah it's going back to the essence of what being a human's about like Mm -hmm. I really think about that often like we're meant to be in these tribal settings and around each other like there's meant to be conversation and a lot of the time with our modern life you know 
sometimes that conversation is enhanced by technology. Like right now, Amy and I are, <laughs> Amy's in England, I'm in the US and we're having this conversation. But at the same time, you know, these days I also feel like it's very easy to not ask for support and to go inward because it's mm-hmm. easy to cut yourself off from your people. Um, but yeah, I'd agree. Don't uh, lean into that discomfort, that emotional discomfort to ask for help. And we're going to talk about that in a future episode, but really it's not easy asking for help. Mm-hmm. It feels sometimes very strange and, um, and it's an important thing to do along your journey for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the last stage of the five stages of grief is acceptance. And I think that's a pretty good topic because Earlier, you were saying, Amy, that you forgive your past self, like we mentioned. And I feel like that's a huge form of acceptance to accept who you were when you were diagnosed. So, yeah. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I've done a lot of work on inner child stuff. I have found that really, really helpful to do um, like letters to my younger self and meditations visualizing my younger self I think that has been the biggest tool for me in unlocking that part of me and it has definitely made the biggest difference to the peace that I have for sure and um and also the empathy that I have towards other people because when I am with other people and I I see the child inside of them for sure and I it's the kind of the more you get into it and the more you explore your own inner child the more you understand about the inner children of everyone else and the easier it is to empathize or rationalize other people's actions and stuff like that so I do highly recommend everyone listening gets into a little bit of inner child work because it is super super healing really healing yeah yeah my mother-in-law she has a really beautiful way of looking at things and something we were talking about yesterday was empathy and she said something that I hadn't quite considered but she said at this time in the world there seems to be a bit of a lack of imagination for people and imagination is a really key part to empathy to be able to imagine someone as their child self to be able to imagine what someone else is going through that's Another thing, like on the outside, my first year of diagnosis, I may have looked cool, calm, and collected. Actually, let's get real. I did not look that way. But I may have looked like I wasn't struggling, but I was definitely having a hard time. So just allowing your imagination to work in the benefit of others and yourself to provide you both with compassion is important. Mm -hmm. We are so turned off from our imaginations in this day and age we are in hustle culture we are in proving our achievements we are in toxic productivity how many buzzwords can I throw into one sentence but that is that is what we're faced with every time we're on socials it's who's got what who's doing this who's released this and no hardly anyone is make I know I don't make enough time for my own creative pursuits and I definitely don't share 
what I imagine with other people for fear of judgment. Like think about when a little kid runs up to you and takes your hand and introduces you to their imaginary friend. Like that is literally humans are supposed to imagine. We're supposed to be having fun with our lives and in our minds. And we, the older we get, we become so disconnected from having joy in our mind through our imagination. And it's, yeah, it's super powerful, especially when you are in a space of sadness, going through something like this, it becomes an even more important tool of imagining your future self. Either either way, you can do your child self or your future self, but feel excited about your future or be forgiving of your child, but just be in a romantic, lovely space within yourself as much mm-hmm. as you can. And Definitely. yeah. I love that. And like that, so imagination in that way, and being able to see past your current scenario, your current situation is such a powerful tool. And so that aspect of mindset is huge. Like, can you, I'm about to sound like a poster, like in my third grade classroom, but can you dare to like dream? Like, can you give yourself permission? That That's what it is. It's like, can I give myself permission to visualize my life the way I would like it to be? within a realistic way and not wishing away what is going on but instead of that thinking of how you will elevate yourself so you know I can't run away from this circumstance but here is how I want to live my life I want to thrive at some point I don't want my autoimmune disease to be what defines me and being able to think that stuff will shift your mindset like the power of thought is really amazing. And um, there's a book I read that really helped me with my mindset called You Are the Placebo by Dr. Joe Dispenza. And I owe a lot to that book. That book helped me so much. And I actually wish I had that tool way earlier on my healing journey. Um, so yeah, have you have you read that book, Amy? I have that is yeah and it is um it's (laughs) it's one that I would recommend to everyone it's it's a tough read it's like for one it's like an absolute brick and for two Mm -hmm. it's it's full of like actual legit neuroscience so if you're used to reading the Colleen Hoover it's going to be quite an adjustment to pop over to Joe Dispenza um but worth doing and also it's also good to um listen on audible truthfully I read half of it and I was like yo no and then I listen <laughs> I listened to the other half <laughs> well <laughs> you're brave because I just started with audible I was like oh, oh I saw the book I was like oh no <laughs> yeah I love this I love this conversation side of it have you read it yeah I read it and now we're like no no someone else read it to me um but yeah there's one (laughs) there's one story in that that it this is the one that really stuck with me so the, the whole book is different case studies basically broadly of where people haven't had any medical treatment but for whatever reason their mindset has changed and they've seen literal positive improvements in illnesses or whatever so there's one story and I'm gonna butcher it and get all the facts wrong but this is my memory of it is 
loads of old men that are like in their 90s and have various conditions like uh, cholesterol and dodgy hearts and everything that you get when you're an old person they go to like a, a country retreat for a weekend and they play the music that they used to listen to when they were young lads and they think they might even like watch baseball games where like big teams what they basically relive their youth they like eat the food that they ate of their youth in this amazing weekend and then when they're leaving the weekend they have all of their like blood tests and stuff done again and their brain scans and all of their aging symptoms had gone down like they'd literally made themselves younger in their Mm -hmm. physiological makeup just from having a weekend of fun yeah. <laughs> um so I just think that's the story that's so powerful I'm like oh god like and I'm not saying it's that easy that's another thing because I remember when I was first diagnosed and living in pain and people would come out with like just have some fun <laughs> you're like <laughs> yeah. you're like no that's yeah, not gonna work you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> literally um so that's not what I'm saying but um that's why that book is a really interesting tool because there's just many many stories that help reinforce the possibility of that into your brain and all you need is to believe in that possibility and you can start working towards it Mm-hmm. definitely and you know that that story definitely stood out to me too I was like dang that's amazing and mm. there was even like a control group that went into this setting where everything was laid out from their younger years like old articles old shows were playing um, but they didn't act as their younger selves like they didn't talk about it like they stayed as they were and their test results didn't have any difference like it still stayed as you said, by the way, which is the cutest, most wonderful thing I've ever heard, but it's terrible. But dodgy heart. Oh my God. Sorry. <laughs> As an American, I'm just like dodgy heart. Cause I'd be like, just bad heart. But, <laughs> but yeah, just no, so that, that other group that was able to, you know, go back and really see that past and feel. And that's the biggest thing too, mm-hmm. is like, yeah, not only just the imagination, but can you really allow yourself permission to feel what you want for yourself, to imagine Mm -hmm. how that feels for you? Because when you integrate an emotion with an image, with like a mindset too, that neural pathway gets really defined over time. So allowing yourself to feel, what does it feel like to feel good in your body again? Mm -hmm. What does it feel like to find a doctor that, you connect with you know so yeah I just I love I love that book Mm, me Um, too and that's um that's also what made me truly believe in meditation as well because mm -hmm. the the wrap-up of that book is that you can achieve many things through meditation which I know is again the concept of meditation is quite abstract and seems like quite a far reach and especially like the perception that we have of it like in the western world is it it doesn't necessarily fit with a lot of people's lifestyles or they don't see themselves that way and meditation doesn't have to be sat under a tree listening to silence like there's there's so many different accessible routes to meditation now but um yeah, the, that's what the the ending of that book basically is him 
doing a meditation and that is how I know me and Janessa both meditate regularly and it has been probably the single my practice of meditation mixing in with my imagination and my the um me envisioning my future self has since doing that that is what's taking me from still feeling better but still technically being like afraid to a high level of confidence and belief in myself and agency to make the changes that I need to to make Mm -hmm. I love that yeah it's definitely been a huge mind shift for me to have a meditation practice that I can incorporate into my life and one thing that I noticed that Amy has as well is there's an app it does cost money but there's many apps out there that don't but one that we both have is called Superhuman by Mimi Bouchard and I just love that in that app that there are different types of meditation beyond what I ever thought meditation could be like she has like a doing your makeup meditation and I was like what but you put it on and it's really just getting into the mindset of who you want to be how you want to look how you want to feel while you're doing your makeup so it's allowed me to integrate meditation into my life on my own terms on terms that work for me so I do meditations when I'm doing my makeup sometimes or sometimes it's while I'm walking I listen to a meditation for walking So there's, um, once you get into it, you'll find that the stereotypical thought of meditation of being under a tree or in the Himalayas, just complete silence. That's not how it has to be at all. It can completely be tailored to what you need right now. Yeah. And another really great um, form of meditation, which I'm thinking of our demographic in mind, but there is a amazing spiritual teacher called Gabby Bernstein and mm-hmm. she has YouTube meditations that are free that you'll be able to find. Um, so Gabby is a, we call it a practitioner in like the law, the law of attraction. I don't, I don't even know if that's a thing, but she, um, that is definitely her, her teachings are the law of attraction, which again, I know that can be a bit of a turn off for some people like if you've seen the secret and I think I think a lot of the whole law of attraction ethos can be a little bit I don't know off-putting for some people and potentially shallow and if you're using it for superficial means and I, I get that it can be a little bit um yeah unattractive but it can also be a really powerful tool for mindset absolutely and you can find a space within the concept that is very applicable to healing your emotions and even your physical body for sure. Um, so yeah, I recommend looking up Gabby Bernstein and trying some of her meditations on YouTube if you're looking for something free. Mm, I love that. Yes. Oh, love Gabby. Um, so I wanted to just segue into kind of getting towards the end of our episode here, but we wanted to leave you with some kind of more tangible takeaways. So just tools that have helped us uh, with our mindset along our journey, and you can integrate these tools however you see fit. Um, But like we just mentioned meditation and 
the different types of meditation there are, and there's way more than we even mentioned. And it's really just finding someone who speaks to you. So, um, you know, keep searching out there. Keep looking to see what resonates with you. Um, But another thing I was going to bring up that has helped me with my mindset is something that's accessible to all of us really is sleep. Um, So I, when I started getting more sleep, my mindset was able to change a lot. And I noticed that my body responded well to that. Um, And when I say more sleep, I think when you have a chronic condition or any health condition that the general like seven hours of sleep may not apply to like our bodies are just functioning on a different level. And so for me, I actually need like eight to nine hours of sleep to feel my most optimal best. And without having explored that, I would have not been able to have the type of um, space I needed to come back to a, a me that is able to handle what I'm going through on a daily basis. So I really needed sleep. So sleep's up there. Do you have um, sleep tips for anyone? How do you set yourself up for the perfect night's sleep? Oh my gosh, I love this so much. Yes, I have tips, <laughs> you guys. Oh my gosh. So uh, the first thing is, so I've read a lot of studies and heard a lot about sleeping in a colder room. And that helps people have deeper sleep. However, I don't do well with cold. My joints are like, no, no, no. So if you're like me, something that has just elevated my sleep game is I got a heated blanket. And I don't know why I waited so long to get this because it's amazing. Um, I turn it on before I get in my bed. So it's nice and warm and cozy for me. And so that's fantastic. So heated blanket is a go. I also really need some sound because I live along a busier street. So I have a little sound machine and it's always raining in my room. So I have the rain sound on. And then I also really like it to be dark. So darkness helps me just kind of fall asleep with the warmth and the sound. So I have a eye mask that I bought and I've been through so many eye masks. Um, So if you're a listener and you have one that you're like, this is the one, (laughs) this is not going to let any light in, let me know. Um, Let us know on our Instagram. I have one. You, oh my gosh, Amy, please. Well, I mean, it's, so it's like, I have the fake version from Amazon, but Mm -hmm. it's like, it's, it's like a silk face mask that is of equal width all the way around like the back of your head so it doesn't have like annoying elastic that like digs into the side of your head and it has like a cutout for your nose but yeah that's and then before sleep another thing I want to add that's helped me out is to just not have any devices near me I actually keep Mm. my phone um in my bathroom we have a bathroom in our in our room so I can still hear it with the alarm. It's just not near me. And yeah, that's kind of how I do it. That's how I get my most optimal rest. Nice. Good. Good. Yeah. I'm not a, I'm not an amazing sleeper. So I'm going to take, take some of those on board for sure. <laughs> Another thing I wanted to mention in terms of a bit of a mindset hack or a, a way to kind of embody where you're trying to get to another thing I want to add as a kind of tool that I a mindset tool that I use is how can I live as like the best example of someone that is dealing with this and I think 
I have a really helpful tool in rheumatoid girls because I am kind of thinking like how can I inspire other people via rheumatoid girls but I think it applies to anyone really and even people that don't have chronic illness you can still be like how am I trying to turn up in the world the way I wish other people would and that's been really empowering for me is how I just kind of imagine someone else that I can positively influence and think how is me acting in this way or doing this thing gonna benefit them so even like wearing the like wearing straps on your joints something that I would feel a lot of insecurity around I always just try and think well what if someone else has a painful joint and they see me wearing this and I empower them to wear it Mm. I think that's it really does build up your confidence it builds up your purpose and it just helps you better accept the things that you're going to be doing I love that because I (laughs) what you just said totally applies to me I remember looking at your page like before we had really connected one-on-one and there was a photo of you just looking amazing as always but you were like sitting and you had an elbow brace on um and at that time I had just gotten a huge elbow surgery and I had to wear this very clunky brace around and I just felt so unattractive but when I saw your post I was like oh there is a way to make this cute and so it definitely inspired me to like not get in the mindset of like oh I look frumpy while I'm you know healing from Mm -hmm. a big surgery but to actually be like no I, I don't have to look frumpy I can look really good with with a brace on or what did you call it a strap straps yeah, I am. I just, you could call I it like a strap it. or a brace, a bandage, like whatever. Yeah. That sounds a lot more than it to be. <laughs> but yeah, no, I definitely that like actually yeah. totally made its way over to me right when I needed it too, yeah. to be able to see something uh, be worn like that. And that's beautiful, right? And then there's the the compound effect of that. So one person does it, another person does it, someone will see you do it and before you know it, the whole world is strapped up, baby. <laughs> even from <laughs> people that don't have joint diseases are like, shit, I need to get me one of these <laughs> to get one of these straps. <laughs> That's a great takeaway. And that costs no money. It doesn't mm-hmm. cost any money to step into the person you wish you, you had in the beginning of your journey. So if you're, mm-hmm. you know, if you're going along your health journey and you've you've been going through this for a bit to step into you know the best version of yourself and to not be afraid to let that shine because other people really need that as like Mm -hmm. a lighthouse of hope because it gets it gets dark when you're going through certain aspects of healing and Mm -hmm. you know again to bring that full circle like nothing's linear like I still have dark times where I've got to work on my mindset and I have to kind of outsource a little bit to my parents and be like mom I am in this horrible place like can we talk you know or talk with friends so we're always working on it we're always growing and you sharing that with other people even people that are healthy you just showing up so authentically and embracing everything that's coming to you will inspire them in their own way as well you know or I find this when I 
meet people who are just so themselves I feel empowered to be that exact same way so mm-hmm. it goes you know your sphere of influence goes even beyond other people that have your illness or other people that have illness full stop but to just could be anyone in your life your co-workers your friends your parents the person at the supermarket who is ringing up your groceries you know like we all need to just empower each other to be as authentic and as much of ourselves as possible mm-hmm. absolutely and so one thing I want to conclude um this with is that one of the greatest tools we have for mindset um really is therapy therapy is so important and it applies to anybody you don't have to have an autoimmune disease to go to therapy there is a lot that the human goes through in their lives and to have a third-party perspective um, to help you recognize patterns that you may be repeating or to help you recognize how you are not responsible for your illness or you are not responsible for a partner who treated you badly. It's really important. So I just want to say like, I wish everyone went to therapy. I think it's the most amazing thing. So. <laughs> and this is a great out. time for us to introduce our sponsor, BetterHelp. No, I'm kidding. BetterHelp. <laughs> <laughs> Every single podcast I've ever listened to is sponsored by BetterHelp. <laughs> but but no, 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 not. No. I'm just going to talk briefly about my experience of therapy in a, in a serious way. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I was in therapy at the beginning of this year, um, and that was I went in for kind of a specific purpose which maybe we can get into another time, but um, I just learned so much about myself that wasn't even related to the initial purpose that I went in with. And I now have such a better understanding of the way I interact with other people and why I do and don't feel comfortable doing certain things. It's just, it really is like a a key unlocking parts of you. So yeah. I definitely, I definitely recommend that if it's accessible to you, you go and talk to someone too. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Well, we want to thank you all for being here. Cool. So that probably, or did you just hear my ankle crack then? I don't know if I would have picked up on that. (laughs) You did. (laughs) I did, yeah. So that probably, um, brings this episode to a conclusion in terms of covering off your mindset and obviously all of these things aren't going to come to you overnight you're not going to have listened to us to talk about this and be like oh god I get it now um but we hope we can just provide a little bit of hope and inspiration that over time these things will be revealed to you and it does it does take time if there is something that has stood out to you please let us know and if there's something you want us to go more in depth with we really want to we want to be here for you all like and meaning we want to meet the needs that you have so let us know where you felt interested in do you want to know more about meditation do you want to know more about sleep you know patterns do you want to know you know about therapy or experiences Uh, We are pretty open books, so please reach out to us on Instagram. We are more than happy to open up more on those 
topics. Okay, so we will see you again in two weeks' time. I'm already looking forward to it. And in the meantime, remember to let the light in. Bye. Bye.